The Bible reading is from Ecclesiastes 9, verses 1 to 12. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labour under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favour to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come, as fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. This is God's word. Well, morning, everyone. That is, let's be honest, not the most cheerful of readings, but um, let's pray for God's help as we try to understand it rightly. Let's, let me lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, we thank you for uh, the wisdom of the whole of the scriptures. Help us as we turn to uh, really a cold bucket of water on our heads from uh, the teacher, the writer of Ecclesiastes. Would we understand him rightly? Would we understand where it fits into the story of salvation rightly? So we respond with joyful lives that trust you. We pray it in his name. Amen. That was a few years ago, uh, John Brandrick uh, from uh, Newquay in uh, Cornwall, 62 years old, um, was diagnosed as having pancreatic cancer and told, look, you have a few months left to live. And so he decided, blow it. I'm going out. I'm going out in style. So he, he really just spent everything he had on uh, going out for great meals, on uh, holidays overseas, um, so stopped essentially living at home, just stayed in hotels, would have people serve him his meals all the time, and um, just 
just threw himself into a hedonistic lifestyle, I guess, for a year or for just under a year. Because uh, about a year after he had the diagnosis of being terminally ill with pancreatic cancer, the hospital said, actually, actually, it's not right. Um, you have pancreatitis, um, which we can handle. So you're not going to die. Well, I don't know how you'd respond in that particular scenario. John Brandrick was outraged because, I mean, he'd spent everything. Uh, he had to sell his house because he'd racked up debts and he needed the funds to pay them off. And so he ended up uh, suing his local hospital. Not particularly thankful that he was given more time to live, just furious that he'd been given the wrong diagnosis. I guess I read this a while ago, but it does ask the question, what do you do if you know you've only got a limited time left? What would you do? And our passage today, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, the teacher, often gets translated, he really wants to force that question upon us. Pretty hard, actually. You're going to die, so... How do we live well in the shadow of death? That's what this world is. We, we live under the shadow of death. What are you going to do? How is wise living going to look for you? So we'll see, you know, verses two and three, he says, well, look, all share a common destiny. Uh, everyone's going to join the dead. It's unavoidable. And he'll finish the passage in verse 12, or no one knows when the hour will come. Now, don't panic, because the, the mood lifts in the middle. I mean, you see, we'll see verse 7, go eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart. Look, he, he's actually, he's going to be keener on eat out to drink out than eat out to drink out, eat out to help out than Rishi Sunak is. So how we fit those two together, we've got to work out. But how do we live in the shadow of death? Well, if you are just joining us today, this book of Ecclesiastes, written then uh, primarily by the teacher, gets edited at the beginning and end. There's an editor, we'll come to him. But uh, the, the teacher, and he's a believer, but he's struggling as he observes what life is like in this world. He looks at a world that is messed up, screwed up, and says, oh, I don't know, how do I keep believing? I do keep believing, but what's going on? Really, in the second half of the book, from chapter end of chapter 6 onwards, he, he's, it's dominated by two questions. So chapter 6, verse 12, we looked at this a while ago, but he asked the question, who knows what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days that they pass through like a shadow? What's the best way to live in this world? Well, that was really chapter 7 and 8. But now it's the second question that dominates to the end of the book. Who can tell people what will happen under the sun when they're gone? Given that death is coming, what, what do we do with that? So that's our question today. How do we live under the shadow of death? My final comment before we jump into the detail, though, is uh, this is one of the books, perhaps most acutely in the Old Testament, we need to remember what the writer, what the teacher says is true, but he is writing in the shadow of the old, in the sort of the darkness of the Old Testament. And when you come into the bright sunlight of the New Testament, there is more to be said. So it's not that he needs correcting, 
But uh, or again, it's when you see life, the other side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, is it, we do zoom out quite a long way and go, okay, now I have a fuller perspective on what he was talking about. So we'll see what he says is true, but there is more that we'll want to add. So three points, but they'll all need nuancing a little bit uh, with the light that Jesus brings. Uh, so um, they're a bit more cheerful than they sound. Okay. Death will claim us all. So grab hold of life today because no one knows their hour. It's just working through the text, really. Death will claim us all. So grab hold of life today because no one knows their hour. Let's work through them then. Verses 1 to 6. Death will claim us all. The first one begins in a sort of fairly orthodox Old Testament fashion, I guess. So I reflected on all this, all this being no one really knows what's going on in this world. It's hard to make sense of it. I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. Well, that's where I've got to so far. Because we can't really understand this world, but I'm just going to entrust myself to the Lord. But... Still in verse 1, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean, the unclean, those who offer sacrifices, those who don't. As it is with the good, so the sinful. As it with, with those who take oaths, so it is with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil. There's madness in their hearts while they live, and afterwards they join the dead. Everyone's going to die. And it doesn't matter if you're good or bad, you're going to die. doesn't matter if you tell the truth or you lie, you're going to die. doesn't matter if you, you, you swear a solemn oath or you break it, and you're just a liar. You're all going to die. <sighs> it's all a bit depressing. So here's my conclusion when I look at that. Good people, bad people, they die and go to the same place. Well, verse 4, anyone who's among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. <laughs> it's like a brutal phrase. In the culture of the time, dogs are not a man's best friend. Dogs are scavengers. They're sort of emaciated, you know, always ripping open your bin bags and uh, grabbing your stuff. They're the rats. Of the, of the culture. Today we might say better to be a, a rat that's alive than a glorious, beautiful racehorse, something like that. Because at least the rat's alive, he says. It's all a bit doom and gloom, isn't it? Verse 5. The living know that they'll die, but the dead know nothing. They have no future reward. Even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Look, the, the, the dead, they, all the negatives, they know nothing. They have no knowledge. They have no reward. They have no name. They have no emotions. They have no, nothing to offer to what's going on in this world. Nothing. And I guess this perspective... Lots of people do subscribe to. I, I guess it's a fairly standard line from an atheist. When you die is no different to what you were before you were born. Non-existence to non-existence. So what does it matter? 
the teacher says, do you know what? Sometimes I look around and think any life is better than death, no matter how miserable it is. Now, that's not all he says. But maybe just pause at this point and say, what a difference it makes to live this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ with the, 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 the bright sunlight that brings on this question. So you turn to the pages of the New Testament and, and no one thinks in these terms because they know that there's paradise and there's know that there's eternity and they know there's a new creation with the Lord Jesus. So as one example, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul, Paul's in prison and yet he can write this. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain. Yeah, look, here I am in prison and I, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go and be with Jesus. It'd be fantastic. It'd be just glorious to go and be with Jesus. But look, while I'm here, I can be useful. I can serve you. I can, I can teach you. So I want to stay and do that. I want to be useful while I'm here on earth. But to be honest, it'd be miles better to be in heaven than here on earth. Well, that's the difference that resurrection makes. The teacher in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes, he simply doesn't have that clear view of eternity that the New Testament writers do. So this week I caught up with um, a chap called Ben Shaw. Ben Shaw is a minister. Uh, he's been a pastor of a, one of the churches in our commission network for a number of years down in Putney. His last few years have been miserably hard. Uh, so a tumour in his face. So uh, a little under two years ago, he had a, a surgery, so the, the jaw bone removed, uh, a bone taken from his leg to replace it, and at the time, uh, a chemo. And months of pain, and, and the, the reconstructive surgery there is pretty significant. But after that, was told that you're cancer-free for six months. And so the next stage was weeks, five times a week of radiotherapy. And that had no impact. Now he's uh, engaged in immune therapy and doesn't know if that'll work. And he's had to resign from his role as a pastor because he can't speak for more than a few minutes. It's just all too painful. And his wife resigned from her role, from her job uh, in the NHS to care for him because he's unable to do that properly for himself. And so they'll enter 2021 with anxieties about the future, obviously the medical and financial. And yet he recently produced a, a video sermon so he could put it together over a period of time with, with um it's a mixture of him speaking and uh, visuals. Why the resurrection matters to a pastor fighting cancer. You can find it online. It's wonderful. It's very wonderful. Because he has hope. Hope so much greater than this world. Hope of perfectly healing. Hope of a pain-free existence. Hope of glory. And so he, were he able to, would have said to the teacher in Ecclesiastes, brother, keep going. 
there is a hope. You don't see it very clearly in uh, the, the early morning of the Old Testament. But when the sun comes out and Christ is risen, there is a hope that is magnificent, that's glorious. Keep going. Death will claim us all. You're right. But death with Jesus is better than life in this world. So, brother, keep going. Death will claim us all. Two more things to say. But actually, we're going to read a bit of, um, let's have a bit of Luke's Gospel read to bring some uh, light onto things. Uh, and we'll listen to this and then uh, come back and I'll give you the rest of the sermon. Chapter 12, verses 13 to 26. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? This is God's word. We'll come back to Luke. But even here in chapter, uh, chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, uh, he says, death will claim us all, verses 1 to 6. But secondly, therefore grab hold of life today, verses 7 to 10. Quite a change of mood here. Verse 7, go, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white, always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. This is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. <laughs> well, the teacher says, yeah, look, we live under the shadow of death. But don't stress. I mean, make the most of life. I mean, it's not hedonism. He's already condemned that uh, earlier in the book. But here, verse 9, do view life as a, as a gift from God. Grab hold of it. Enjoy it. 
Yes, death comes, but enjoy what God has given you now. I think he's saying much the same as Jesus in Luke chapter 12. Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust the Lord. Tomorrow's got enough anxieties for for itself. Just get on with enjoying today and trust the Lord for tomorrow. I think he's saying. So verse 7, yeah, look, go and celebrate with food and wine. Enjoy your food and wine. Verse 8, be clothed in white. That's culturally put on your party clothes. Uh, anoint your head with oil. Yes, put on your, your perfume, your aftershave that you get for Christmas. Uh, we can still buy that online. Uh, verse 9, enjoy things, enjoy life, enjoy marriage. Uh, you can do this in these meaningless days, short days, elusive days. Verse 10, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. It's actually my school motto. I never realized at the time. It was biblical in Ecclesiastes. Now I know. Um, But he's saying, look, grab hold of life. Yes, death is coming. But enjoy what God has given you. Grab hold of life and make the most of the opportunities you have. Now, of course, when you know that eternity is coming... That, uh, that adjusts what we think making the most of life is. So the teacher says, look, trust God. Just make the most of what he's given you now. But Jesus, of course, would say, yeah, and know that what you do in this life does echo in eternity. And how you serve the Lord now, you'll be rewarded in eternity. So to grab hold of life now, Jesus would say, Yeah, do so. But that does mean serving the Lord with what you've got, using the resources he's given you to serve him. Again, uh, this week, uh, the staff apprentices, we were at um, a conference online, and uh, uh, one of the guys who spoke, Jason Roach, was uh, uh, reminiscing or or reflecting, recalling that the struggle he had years ago, I'm a handful will remember when he was uh, here at uh, CCM as a medical doctor. Uh, and do I carry on a career in medicine or do I train to be a pastor? Actually, for Jason, that was quite a wrestle uh, that went on for some time before he decided, I'm going to train to be a pastor. He was asked, why did you take that route? Well, for me, I thought I could do more of value for eternity. For him, that wouldn't be precisely the same decision for uh, everyone to take. But for him, I thought I to grab hold of life was to do as much as I could to serve the Lord now for eternity. That's what, for him, grabbing hold of life means. So look, death will claim us all. Grab hold of life today in a way which rewards you for eternity. Because finally, no one knows their hour. No one knows their hour, verses 11 and 12. I've seen something else under the sun. He says, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, nor wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Oh, look, you can be the fastest man in the world over 100 meters, but pull a muscle in the final and end up with nothing. That can happen. You can be the mightiest military force in the world, but be resisted by uh, a tiny guerrilla gang. You can be the brightest man in your country with a PhD, but turmoil means you have to flee for asylum overseas and do nothing with your great learning. 
All those things happen, he says. And verse 12, moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. Fish do not swim in the sea going, I tell you what, you, gotta, you know, watch out for the fishermen, yeah? You know, you know they're after us. You know, they, you just, when you see a shadow go over, you just, you just think it's the fishermen, just watch out for their nets. The fish don't do that. They're oblivious. They're there just going, and before they know it, they're flapping around on a boat. They don't know it's coming to them, just so with the birds of the air. And for you and me, well, most of the time we go through life without thinking, well, today could be my last day. Of course we do. But no one knows their hour. Now, you could try and find out. Um, this is incredibly daft, but I went to this week deathclock.org. And um, uh, not that I would particularly condone it or recommend it, but you go to this site and you put in your, uh, what do they want, date of birth, your sex, how much you smoke, how much you drink, your BMI, the country you live in, um, what your previous medical conditions, and it gives you a, a prediction of roughly when you're likely to die. Um, and of course, it's got to be wildly inaccurate. Uh, a few things that will help. But um, some of you go and do it now, won't you? I think you probably will. Uh, don't do that. But um, you can't know. Most of us are like the rich fool of Luke 12. We plan for a future, and for some of us, it'll never come. No one knows the hour. That's why Jesus says, be rich towards God. Use the resources he's given you in this life to serve him for eternity. Because you don't know when your hour will come. Death will claim us all. So grab hold of life today. No one knows their hour. That's how you live in the shadow of death, says the teacher. You grab hold of life now. And with the sunlight of the New Testament, Jesus says, yeah, that means serve me now because that lasts forever you see for, for the follower of jesus christ lots in this passage chapter 9 of ecclesiastes does change uh, verse 5 the living know that they'll die the dead know nothing they have no further reward no if you put your faith in jesus christ the dead see more clearly than us they've gone to be with christ and they'll have an extraordinary reward in eternity. This picture in verses 7 and 8 of feasting and in, in, in enjoying life, well, those who've gone to be with Jesus, they know that already. Knowing him radically transforms what it means to live in the shadow of death. Because you and I, we, we were not merely made for time. We were made for eternity. And you and I were not made merely to walk on this earth. We were made for the presence of the living God, to see him face to face. And you and I were not made to fear death, but to grab hold of life now, knowing that what we do now is rewarded in eternity. And that's how we live in the shadow of death. We grab 
hold of life now by living for the reward of Jesus Christ. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, here is wisdom that we sometimes need to hear. We do sometimes need reminders of our mortality, that we do live in the shadow of death. And that uh, when, we, when the hour does come, when we do join the ranks of the dead, at that moment, how we've lived, it matters enormously. Father, would we be those who are wise? Would we be those who grab hold of life now by serving you? That we're not anxious about accumulation, but we trust you for today and we trust you for tomorrow. And we get on and serve you so that in eternity, we know the extraordinary blessing of the reward of Jesus Christ. Would you help us live this way, we ask in his name. Amen.